Previously on the Division Three's Finest Podcast. Taysom Hill, I'm telling you guys right now, will be a great NFL quarterback if he steps in in New Orleans. Next Peyton Manning, Taysom Hill. No. From what I understand, you've moved on to the uh, personal training game. Uh, so, like, what are the best kind of steroids that I could get? That's a good question, man. <laughs> uh, you took Sprite Cranberry you took, over. You took Mr. Pib over Dr. Pepper. I'd rather drink my own piss than cranberries. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fear the mellow ball at all, and then, uh, like, those guys, they're always, they look like they're half asleep all the time. I think what Shub yeah. is I try and ask is, do you, do you not have dragons? Yeah, and they I feel like really good. I, I know. <laughs> this, is, this is the most energetic I've seen you all day, honestly. So, Maya, what do you do now? Yeah, I, I work Jacob. Uh, professional now, big professional uh, guy. Episode 81 of the Division 3's Finest Podcast, coming up next. What's up, guys? Episode 81 of the Division 3's Finest Podcast. Gil, how's it going, bud? It's going well, man. You know, good to be here. Uh, my friend, my co-host, Hell yeah. Benjamin Gavlik, always good to see you, man. For sure. The world's kind of... I don't want to jump the gun a little bit, but things seem to be picking up a little bit. A little so you'd love to see that. Um, yeah. People, maybe for right or wrong, can still got to be safe. All right. of you out there, exactly. please follow proper pro- protocols. Please. But enjoy the weather as it's getting a little nicer. That's that's also a nice thing we got going on. There's times for grit and there's times to be safe as well. You know, we're that's not, right. We're you easy. can't grit your way through every. I would, hey, hey, it's a good saying. here. I'd say it's. It's more grit to follow the rules of this. I'd say so. It easy. We'll bleep it out, but yeah, for sure, definitely. It's yeah, I can see that I, argument for sure. I think I think it's the epitome of grit to buckle down, do something you don't like for the, the for the good of everybody else. That's yeah. that's there's a little grit for you. Yeah, we're not saying don't see people. Just you know, follow the guidelines. You know, stay safe a little longer until you know the health people say you know we're we're clear. We can you know give people fist bumps, handshakes. That's right. Although yeah, there's yeah, some people saying, well, again. there's some people saying that we can't shake hands ever again, and I'm not sure that I want to believe that. But I'm, Ben, I'll shake your hand. I appreciate that. Well, well, we could keep that um, for whenever we see each other next, which is hopefully yes, as soon as it's legal again. Exactly. But so <laughs> let's get into our podcast preview. Um, this is your first time listening to the show. Basically, the section we're going to do a quick five minute preview of the upcoming episode just to give you guys kind of a sneak peek and talk about some of our favorite moments from the interview if you want to skip this section feel free for sure you know we're just kind of we're just here to provide you guys the best listening experience possible but every episode we do include time codes in the description below and they're there for a reason so definitely utilize those if there's certain parts of the interview you want to look for or you know if you're a big fan cbs guy you can skip ahead to that too and listen to the draft it's a good one best john's a lot of big fan cbs yeah so a lot of good picks there but Gil, my fellow co-host, and of course my friend, uh, shout out Jacob Schubert, who again is missing this episode. And it's a tough one in quarantine. We're doing two episodes, so he misses a day. That's two episodes he missed. So, you know, tough. And he always gives a shit for not introducing him properly. You know, we'll bleep him out. But obviously, friend of the program, unfortunately not here. But Andrew, what were uh, some of your takeaways from our interview with John? Yeah, I do. Just I just want to share your disappointment in Shub. Uh, I just want that to be out there. Yeah, it's uh, tough. I mean, especially like you said, I can't remember if we said it on the other one, but he, you know, he said he, he said he was going to be there. He yeah, said exactly. he's going to come through for us. Yeah, he's like, yeah, don't worry, guys. I'm bringing my laptop. I'm bringing my mic. I'm going to be fully prepared, and you know, not even within 24 hours, he says, you know, actually can't make it. You know, that's tough. Maybe if you gave Talk us about if you gave us more notice, you know, maybe we could have you know mentally prepared a little bit more. But you know, we're always on our toes. It's a podcast. Mm-hmm. So you got to be ready for anything you never know what happens during these kind of things but not yeah. the first time he's put us in the spot exactly he's missed you know i I'm, i haven't counted exactly but it's you know getting up to 30 episodes or something he's missed so you know it's tough for sure yeah uh, but yeah so to the interview though right. Back uh, to the interview. another great one john uh good guy you for know sure. i kind of touched on in the last one i think these zoom calls help you know a ton um you know he gets into uh, i liked his I don't know if anybody will see it with the clips, but his nice his dog blanket on the background. I yeah. couldn't stop staring at that. That's just a little side note. But I think he had a lot of good stories. Um, you know, I thought his road to the kind of his progression, and and I think he's pretty pretty genuine guy. So 
interesting stuff there that you know he kind of shared through throughout the podcast for sure yeah i really enjoyed rapid fire um i thought yeah. that there's some funny moments on that there's a lot of funny moments during this interview you i know, want to pre-apologize to the people of yeah I, I agree and that was the thing i guess i couldn't i without getting into too many specifics like i think just the show overall like i mean it's it's pretty peppered in with some good moments some, some funny moments or yeah. you know good good little tidbits that he's sharing yeah definitely a good uh, mixture of I, funny moments and stuff on his baseball background. You're learning more about John while also, you know, having a good time doing it. So that's kind of what we're shooting for. So I'm glad, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but you know, we execute the game plan pretty well without Jacob Schubert. Execution. That's all. That's what it's all about. I really enjoyed our fantasy draft too. I mentioned it, you know, a little bit before, but best Johns of all time. There's some good picks and there's good honorable mentions. Some that didn't make the cut. Um, if you guys want to vote on that at D3's Finest Pod, we put up a Twitter poll and we'll put up a graphic of our picks. So definitely, you know, feel free to vote on that as well. That's something we do every week. So something we really enjoy doing. And then my last thing is John's D3 story at the end is one of the funniest ones we've had on the show. So that was yeah. hilarious. It has cracking up at the end there. So definitely, you know, tune in, stay tuned in for that one too. Don't after the draft, do not skip the last story because you, you need to hear this one for sure. Uh, that's pretty much all I got though. Okay, so I think that's all we got for our episode preview. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Cincinnati Reds minor league pitcher John Geisel. Ben, please cue the air horn. A few moments later. Now joining us on the podcast, this is his first appearance on the show. He's a minor league pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. Back-to-back weeks, actually, we've had pitchers from the Reds organization on the podcast. Shout out Danny Serino, friend of the program, but definitely one of Division Three's finest going from his college career at Rochester to being selected in 2017 MLB draft. John Geisel, first question, how's quarantine life going for you? And, you know, we asked Danny this question last week as well, but when can we get Joey Votto on the podcast? <laughs> as soon as he'll talk to me. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> there you go. And he probably won't. I'm sure he'll remember to bring up uh, the podcast when he does talk to you. Right. One time he uh, asked me to get out of the way, and that's the most interaction I've had with him. So That's not. He's never told me that. So. Yeah. So, that's pretty cool. There we go. <laughs> that's all I got. And how's uh, quarantine life going for you? Uh, I mean, as good as I could expect, I guess. Right. Uh, I've been bouncing between uh virginia where my parents live and um, nashville where my girlfriend lives um but in both places i've got a good group of guys to, like throw and work out with so nice been able to like get my work in and stuff but obviously it sucks not being able to play and having all this uncertainty with the season but right. as far as actual quarantine goes i mean i've been able to get my work in so i can't complain too much for sure and so first big time journalism question here, the theme of our podcast name Division Three's Finest kind of originates from us being former yet obviously elite D3 athletes who have since uh, kind of retired and taken our talents to the podcast game instead. Uh, but like most D3 guys, you know, it wasn't about going pro, it was more about just enjoying the game with our teammates and kind of trying to play the game as long as we could. Um, now, you're not like most D3 guys. Uh, not too many guys get drafted after their junior year at the D3 level. Um, believe us, we're not just making that up. We've done plenty of background research. It just you know doesn't happen. But real quick, just give us a quick intro on yourself, your baseball background, and what kind of drives your passion for the game. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure like you guys and I'm sure like most people listening to this podcast, um, you know, I've loved baseball since the moment I could pick up a baseball. You know, I think I was four years old when I started playing t-ball and I've been with it ever since, obviously. Um, as far as what I like, what drives me to love the game, I, if I could put it into words, I'd probably yeah, sell a lot of books. But uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I love it. You guys love it. Anyone who loves the game understands that it's just uh, it's who you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'll never enjoy any doing anything else as much as you enjoy doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as my you know background in baseball goes. Um, you know, standard childhood all the way through high school, T-ball, travel ball, Little League, all that stuff. Um, got into high school. In my travel ball teams, I pitched a little bit, um, but for my high school team, I was primarily third base and shortstop. Um, I actually didn't pitch a high school inning until about halfway through my senior year. Wow. Um, I was playing infield, um, and then uh, my senior year, our Friday night guy actually ended up getting thoracic outlet, which you guys might know from, like, Matt Harvey, that was the thing that, like, knocked him out. Mm. Wow. Um, okay. It's basically, like, your first rib elevates, and it, like, pinches some blood vessels in there. Um, and it Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, so he went down with that. So we're down a starting pitcher. 
And so, my, you know, my high school coaches were like, yeah, you got a pretty strong arm from the infield. Like, have you ever pitched before? And I was like, yeah, you know, I pitched for my travel team. Um, they're like, all right, well, let's get you on the mound and see if we can, like, fill a spot in my rotation. And then from there, I was – I did both for a little while. Um, and then once I got to college, I transitioned into being a PO. But high school, I was, like, 85, 88. Like, I didn't hit 90 for the first time until the summer after my senior year of high school. Um, so, you know, I was 85, 88, which is obviously pretty good. Um, but I didn't start pitching until, you know, halfway through my senior year. So it was way too late to get recruited um, yeah. for pitching to any kind of big-time school. Uh, in comes D3. Um, so, you know, I shot out some emails. Uh, my dad's family is from Rochester, so, like, I knew about the school up there. My grandma still lives up there. So went up, visited the school uh, when I was visiting her one time and loved the school. Um, it's pretty strong academically, so I knew if baseball wasn't going to work out, I was going to get a good education there. So, you know, met with the coach, talked to him a little bit, made a recruiting video for him, said he'd be happy to have me on the team. So showed up in the fall, and there it was. And then, you know, so like I said, that summer before my freshman year of college was the first time I hit 90. wasn't really sitting there. I was still probably like 87, 88 most of the time. But, no, you know, but you told people you're sitting 90, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Got yeah. to. Um, but you know, for D three eighty seven eighty eight, it's pretty hard. Yeah. Definitely. Um. Mm-hmm. So got there freshman year was you know in contention for a starting spot just based on how hard I was throwing. So freshman year, won a spot in the rotation, started for a little while, had some command problems walking a lot of guys. So they uh, they moved me to the pen, mm-hmm. pitched out of the pen for the rest of my freshman year, and then sophomore year got back in the starting rotation. Uh, threw really really well my sophomore year. I don't know how you guys did it, but um, for our conference, it was a doubleheader Saturday, doubleheader Sunday, and the first game of each was seven innings. So I, I would take game one and seven innings, and I think probably all but two of my starts, I went all seven. Wow. Um, so I had a really solid sophomore year. Came back junior year. Had another solid year. Um, junior year is when I started uh, like a, a serious uptick in velocity. You know, I was sitting more like 91, 92 to start the year. And then as the weather got warmer and it wasn't minus 12 up in Rochester, uh, you know, 93, 94. So my coach knew a couple scouts like in the area just because he was a baseball guy, knows a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so he said, you know, got this kid sitting low 90s, like might want to come check him out, give him a chance. So got a couple, first team to ever watch me was the Reds, actually. So one of their guys came out up through, I think I was like 92, 94, maybe hit 1-5 in that game, um, which mm-hmm. got some interest. Um, word spread a little bit. Some other scouts started coming out. Um, so by the end of the year, I think I had been seen by like three or four teams. Nothing cra- I wasn't on anybody's like draft board radar, but you know, sure. I'd, I'd gotten some looks. And then the Reds invited me to a pre-draft workout um, in New Jersey. So you, know, you go, a bunch of guys that they're looking at are all there. You throw some live ABs. They have their whole scouting department there so they can get a better look at you. Yeah. Um, so I got invited to one of those. Um, and that was about a month after the season, month and a half. Um, so in that month and a half, um, I was grinding because uh, I knew I had gotten invited to it pretty early, so I knew it was coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just started grinding, you know, trying to put out the best showing that I could. And I got there and, you know, at this point, I know I'm not like a big prospect or whatever. So, you know, how I perform here is going to pretty much determine whether I have a future in pro ball or not. Um, so I just said, screw it. Um, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it 100%. So I got on the mound, just threw the ball absolutely as hard as I could for 20 pitches or whatever they gave me. Um, wasn't really worried about where it was going. Wasn't worried about off speed. I was like, if they're going to draft me, they're going to draft me for velocity. So I'm, I'm going to go get it. And I ended up sitting like 97-99 at that camp. Wow. (laughs) Uh, What? So obviously that opened some eyes. Uh, Uh, You think? (laughs) So, you know, obviously the Reds were interested in me after that, and then the word got out that I had done that, so I got a bunch of calls from some other teams. and Went to a few more camps, worked out for the Padres, uh, worked out for the Yankees, worked out for the Mets. so I did some other workouts, and then obviously the Reds were the ones that ended up drafting me. And now, you know, here I am. So. Now you're on a podcast with us, buddy. Exactly. 
Um, so we'll definitely, I mean, you, you touched on a lot of great stuff there and we'll dive into, you know, a little more in depth with some of that, uh, draft stuff, just kind of your road to, to where you're at now. Like you said, talking to us. Um, but you know, we do like to kind of keep things light to kind of mix in, uh, you know, with that serious stuff as well. And, you know, just to kind of get things loosened up a bit. Um, we started doing this a couple episodes ago, but I'm just going to kind of hit you with some rapid fire questions. All right, let's do it. Um, for the most, yeah, some quick answers if they fit. If you have a story, by all means, like let's hear it. But um, yeah, whenever you're ready, I can start rocking these. Yeah, let's do it. Alrighty. So, in your draft process, what was the weirdest question you've gotten from either a scout or something weird you saw in a questionnaire? Oh man, I got to think about that one because some of these questionnaires are super in depth. Okay. Um, yeah. I know, like the Reds questionnaire was like a, a one page, but the Yankees one was like five pages. They had questions about everything. Yeah. Um, one of the ones they asked about uh, the Yankees was like, it was like, have you ever like been in a fight or like, like tell us about when you got to, like a fight as a child or something like that? And I was like, how is that relevant? <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, they asked. So, and then what are they looking for? Like, do you say no? Show like, oh, good character. Like, you got some grit. Yeah, I've been in a fight. I hold my own. What's yeah. the right answer? Yeah, I feel like it could go either way, and I feel yeah. like it kind of depends on which scout's reading it. Yeah, so right, that's exactly. A good point. Yeah. So, um, so on that note, actually, and uh, we saw a similar question asked on the Pat McAfee show. So he asked, you might have seen it. He asked an NFL prospect, um, you know, a weird question, and the pros like he said it was a quarterback, and he basically said he was asked. He was in a room with three coaches. It was like the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and the quarterback's coach. And they asked him, out of us three, who would you want to punch in the face the most? <laughs> so on that note, um, we typically have our third guy here. Ben, I don't know if you have that picture. Yeah, I got a picture so I can show this oh, is okay. So that's, our, that's Chube. That's the gentleman who can't make it today. Yeah. So out of us three, who, who, would, you have to, who would you punch in the face? No hard feelings. I got to go with Chube. I knew yeah. it. I knew it, man. I, I knew as soon as we showed you the picture, it would it'd be over. That First of all, right he's answer. not here to get mad at me. Right, exactly. <laughs> Second of all, he's just kind of got a punchable face, you know? Hey, we got to sound like that. Yeah, I have to. has a punchable face. Got to. Uh, but yeah, good answer. I mean, there was one right answer. You definitely you definitely hit it. Yeah. Um, okay, so as a pitcher, maybe, I don't know, maybe you do or you don't, um, but do you have any crazy baseball superstitions? And if you don't, um, what's the weirdest one you've seen from a teammate? Crazy superstitions. I wouldn't say any of mine are crazy. I have a few, like, you know, I call them more of a routine, but that makes me feel okay. better about it. They probably yeah, are yeah. some superstitions. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I always, uh, pretty much every pitch, I go grab the rosin bag, whether I need it or not. Okay. Like, you know, get the ball back from the catcher, turn around, go grab the rosin bag, then get back on the rubber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty much every pitch, which I'm sure annoys a lot of people, but right. just kind of, Kind of, I don't know if it's like a nervous thing where like I gotta have something in my hand, you know. But uh, that's probably like my weirdest one. I do uh, just, like the same number of warm up pitches and the same sequence in the bullpen, no matter what. Yeah, I did that. Um, so you know, no matter what's working, what's not. It's if I don't stop throw working. a single pitch for a strike, I don't care. I just stop when the sequence is over. Like that, gotcha. that's not warm. Uh, that's actually probably where you're losing. I gotta go out on a strike. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, do you have any other ones? Those are my two like main like superstition slash routines. Sure. Uh, no, no, uh, no repeat underwear or anything like that. No, I keep all <laughs> my clothes clean. There you go. There you go. Yeah. All right, so kind of in you know D three life, maybe some you know couple long bus rides here or there. Um, so, what is your go to gas station snack on some of those trips? Uh, sour cream and onion Pringles. Oh Ooh. my god. That's the best answer we've gotten so far. Uh, yeah, you're my so guy right now. In, ter- in terms of like a, a solid food snack, that's definitely my go-to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Candy-wise, it's going to be Sour Patch Watermelons. Nice. Another great pick. Fire. That's yeah. impressive. We've had some bad ones. We've had people say Cliff Bars, like Chex Mix. You know, we've had some bad ones on the podcast lately. <laughs> I, so. And, and Chex Mix, I mean, I get it because they are good, but he was specifically talking about the little – like bagel chips in the Chex Mix. That's those what you want. Yeah, I, I think I, maybe they sell those by themselves. I don't know if I've ever seen them, but I don't think I've ever seen them. He bagel. was talking about like the specific, like the little chips in Chex Mix. I, I, I backed him up. I was like, like, yeah, I love that too. But like, yeah, I, was well, like <laughs> I did almost ask him, like, do you just like dig through the bag for those or like what? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it is weird. Um, eat the Chex Mix, just eat the whole thing. <laughs> it's all good. Exactly. Um, 
So this one, this one might be. Or I think this is a good one. Um, so rank Skyline Chili on a scale of one to ten. Ooh, so I've only eaten there once. Um, it was so after I did that first draft camp for the Reds in New Jersey, they invited me to a second one in Cincinnati at the Big League Field. Okay. Um, okay. So I went to Cincinnati for that one, and that's the only time I've ever had Skyline Chili. And honestly, it's terrible. Really? Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever had it. I've not. No, yeah, I have. But it's it's exactly what it looks like. It's yeah. crappy chili poured on top of a crappy hot dog or crappy Ugh. spaghetti or whatever you order. Yeah. It's just not good. People around there are like diehard about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just not good. It's a delicacy. Yikes. Yeah. No, yeah, I feel you there. It's like you got to kind of know what you're getting. Yeah. Um, so what's one thing that minor leaguers go through every day that most sports fans don't know about? One thing that minor leaguers go through every day that most sports fans don't know about. In terms of like daily activities, I feel like it's all pretty obvious. You know, we show up to the park, take BP, whatever, throw, yeah. play our game. Um, I think a lot of people just have the misconception that since we're professional athletes, we have a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. um, they don't they don't see you, you know, rummaging to find four dollars and quarters in your car so you can go order <laughs> off the dollar menu at McDonald's um, right. and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I mean, the biggest thing is just how how poor we are all the time. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're, you know, a top rounder. Right. So there, there's little things that come with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, always bargain hunting for everything, but in terms yeah. of like daily activities, it's all pretty straightforward. It keeps things interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's weird where the money goes. Like I saw something on Twitter the other day. Like the I, I don't want to say misquote them, but I think it was the Mets or something put like a hundred million dollars into their spring training facility or something. Like you yeah, know, some of that money needs to go to the minor leaguers instead. And like yeah, it's just yeah, it's yeah. crazy how. To be fair, I've played at the Mets spring training facility and it was bad before they redid it. <laughs> okay, well that. yeah, they need <laughs> the upgrade. Okay, but no, I agree. I mean, these clubs are worth. There's I think a few years ago, Tampa Bay went over the billion dollar mark and they were the last one so every mlb yeah. team's worth at least a billion dollars yeah that's um, nuts. and so the money's there they just refuse to spend it yeah so, and i mean i get it it's a business but the players are the biggest asset of that business right so it seems kind of ridiculous not to invest in them right yeah you know especially for guys that like you know are living on their own in the off season and stuff they got to pay rent year round um, you know, they're getting real jobs in order to do that, which takes away from their ability to train for the season. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like, you're going to get better quality players for your organization if the only thing they need to focus on is baseball and yeah. they don't have to focus on making money to, you know, keep food on the table. Right. For sure. Yeah, I think I just saw a post, not that it's super related, but kind of similar, Tyron Matthew, and he's made, like, comments about not posting workout videos but he just posted a selfie of himself today but he made the comment like here's me working out because this is what they pay me to do and right. then, like it's kind of like you said like yeah if all you're paying me all this money to go train and get better like okay don't have to tell me twice yeah absolutely so what's your favorite thing about about division three baseball my favorite thing about d3 baseball I feel like everyone says this, but my teammates for my favorite part. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm glad you said it because I'm kind of a. We, everyone does say that, but I'm hoping we can just ride that out. Like, yeah, that's just an answer across the board. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, the big D ones they play in the big stage with the big crowds, and I'm, that's fun and all. Yeah. But other than that, baseball is the same no matter what level you're playing at. The right. game doesn't change. Yeah. Um, but you know, my teammates are absolutely awesome. Some of my best friends in the world still, and sure. uh, you know. I don't regret going D3 for a second because the people I met there were well worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Awesome. Yeah, Yeah. no, for sure. A few there. Um, so last one here. Um, f*** one, marry one, kill one. Uh, ben will bleep that out. We'll bleep that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Pancakes, waffles, and French toast. Killing French toast. Wow. Okay. I do enjoy French toast. I have nothing against it. Mm-hmm. But I'm big Something's on waffles go. and pancakes. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. I'm going to say Mary Waffles. I feel like that's the sustainable choice. Yeah. And I'll say uh, f- Pancakes. Just because... It's a nice little dirty... It's yeah, I mean, those are the things where, like, if you're hungry, you can go in on a 10 stack of those. Right. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Okay, I like that answer, actually. That's fair. All right, so um, kind of getting back into, you know, the more serious questions and getting into your baseball background um, at Rochester, but kind of the, you know, up and down freshman year, like you said, and then... You really made big strides your sophomore year. You go seven and one, and now you know you become one of the best pitchers in the country. And then the year after that, you get drafted. So just going off that, 
Um, specifically your sophomore year, what do you think was kind of the key for you making that stride? And when did you kind of feel that going pro was like a real possibility? So I'll start with the key to making that stride. So my freshman year of college, I put on about 15, 20 pounds. Um, I was pretty skinny coming out of high school. And so just getting bigger and stronger helped a lot. It made my velocity more sustainable. I didn't have to try so hard because I was stronger. Right. Um, so I could go deeper into games because it wasn't max effort the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, you know, I became a little bit more under control, started throwing more strikes. Um, my breaking ball improved. Um, so kind of like all the things that you need to be an effective pitcher, you know, command of a breaking ball, command of the fastball, longevity, being able to hold your velo, those things all kind of came together in my sophomore year just by getting bigger, stronger, you know, fine-tuning the off-speed pitches a little bit. Um, so it was just kind of like a perfect storm of things I needed to work on kind of came together. Mm-hmm. And then my junior year, uh, like I said earlier, was when, like, the velocity really started to go up. Yeah. Um, I was throwing hard for D3 before that. But my junior year, I just started throwing hard, period. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I was throwing low to mid-90s, which obviously I know gets guys drafted. Didn't think I had a huge shot coming out of D3. Because, you know, why would they take the 93-mile-an-hour D3 guy when they can take the 93-mile-an-hour D1 guy? Yeah. Sure. But, you know, like I said, those scouts came out. They saw me. They expressed a little interest. So, you know, in the back of my mind, it's like, okay, someone's watching. Someone's seeing. I have a chance here. Um, certainly didn't expect anything crazy. I was like, you know what, I'll be a throwaway pick in the 39th round. Or, you know, I'll go undrafted and be able to sign a free agent contract or something. But then the pre after the, the pre-draft camp, you know, obviously – they showed a lot more interest, started giving me more absolutes, like, hey, we're really big on you, we want to take you, we're thinking this round, we're thinking this uh, signing bonus, blah, blah, blah. And so things started to get a little more concrete. They started giving me numbers. It started being a lot more firm in the fact that they were they wanted me. Um, so at that point, I was like, okay, you know, if I believe them, which I did, then I'm getting drafted, you know. So, I mean, after that pre-draft camp when they talked to me, that was when I really knew I had, like, a legitimate shot. You know, before that, I thought it – you know, maybe off-the-wall, long-shot right. um, pick. But after that mm-hmm. camp, I, I was pretty certain it was going to happen. Well, so do you think – would you say it was yeah, – I think they, I know the answer, but would you say it was Reds, like, all the way? Were there any other teams where maybe you felt, you know, might hop up and snag you? The, the Yankees and the Padres um, were the two others I thought it could happen with. The Reds, obviously, were the first ones to show interest, and they showed the most interest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew they were probably the front-runners. Cool. Um, but the Padres and the Yankees also both told me they were going to draft me if I was available when they wanted me to be available. So, you know, I knew those were both a, uh, a possibility as well. Nice. Um, so, yeah, like you just you did just go through, your, you know, your process. So that obviously culminates in, in one of the things that, you know, all baseball players dream about, that draft day phone call. So maybe a little different for you kind of. I guess you don't ever really expect it, but, you know, you were in almost as good a spot as anywhere you could almost expect it. But do you mind just kind of going through, uh, you know, what that call was like and what that day was like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, the draft is three days, right? Um, first day is just the first two rounds. And then the next day is three through ten. And then the third day is ten plus. Um, and so I didn't need to watch the first day. I knew that wasn't happening. <laughs> yeah. um, but a couple of the scouts had told me, you know, we're thinking maybe like 8 to 10th round. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll be like late second day. So, you know, I got the draft tracker on. I'm watching it on the second day. Nothing happens. I'm like, all right, that's fine. You know, they told me that was a possibility. Um, and so then after the second day ends, all the 10th round picks are in. You know, all the teams call me back. I get the same spiel from all of them. They're like, you know, sorry we didn't take you. Some other stuff came up, but like first couple rounds, for, man. first couple rounds tomorrow, we're gonna take you. Like, all right, sweet. So you know, get up, turn the draft tracker on the next day, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth round, nothing's happening. Fourteenth round, starting to get a little nervous. Like you know, maybe they changed their mind. You know, found someone they liked more. Mm-hmm. You know, it got to like the fifteenth round, and I hadn't heard anything from any of the teams since the previous day. Um, so I was like, ah, you know what? I guess I'll go back for my senior year. Um, yeah. so at that point, it was about lunchtime. So uh, one of my friends was was with me that day. And so I was like, hey, man, let's go get some lunch. So we headed over to uh, Firehouse Subs. And uh, Shout out. I was Shout still trying to order for Firehouse when I got the call. Oh, wow. Uh, so, you know, I, had, I had watched the draft tracker religiously for two days. And as soon as I leave is when it happened. Yeah. Uh, 
So I'm standing in line. The scout from the Reds calls me. And he was like, hey, man, we just took you in the 18th. Like, congratulations. Welcome to the organization. Um, so, you know, I told my buddy, you know, we got excited. But I had to keep it kind of low-key because I was in the middle of a firehouse. I didn't want to be, like, <laughs> you know, jumping around with all these people acting like an idiot. Yeah. Uh, I got a free sub, probably. Yeah, yeah so probably. called my parents, called everyone I could think of, uh, let them all know, and it was it was fun. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, we know you've been in the minors for several several years now, and hopefully you guys are back on the field competing soon. But just regarding your first couple seasons as a professional, has there been any memorable welcome to the league like moments? Maybe seeing MLB guys for the first time take PP, or you know, any cool spring training experiences where you're like, all right, you know, things are a little bit different at this level. Yeah, so um, obviously, like I get there um, after the draft, and you know, I'm I'm the D three guy. Yeah, a little bit of chip on my shoulder. I'm thinking, like, man, this is pro baseball. Like, this is next level stuff. Like, you know, I'm not sure I belong here. But honestly, it, it all went pretty smooth. You know, I, I quickly realized I wasn't any worse than anyone else there. Settled in a little bit, found my groove. Um, there was a, for myself personally on the mound. There wasn't ever like a oh man, like. Here it is kind of moment. But um, last spring training, I got to uh, back up one of the big league games because, you know, they all the pitchers in spring training are on strict pitch counts. Um, so for the big league games, they'll send a bunch of minor league guys to sit in the bullpen in case one of the big league guys gets to his pitch count, you go in and clean up his inning. So I got the opportunity to do that. So, you know, I was sitting That's in the awesome. bullpen, you know, for that game. I was uh, one pitch away from going in. It was 3-2, three, oh. two, three, two, two outs. I was hot. Um, if he walked the guy, then I was in, but he struck him out. So Yikes. I sat down, but, uh, that, sucks. that game we were playing against the Indians and, uh, Corey Kluber was the starting pitcher. Ooh, uh, so, you know, their bullpen's right next to ours, obviously. And so I got to watch him warm up before the game and just, I mean, sitting there at like five feet from Corey Kluber, watching him throw a baseball. Yeah. Yeah. That's but awesome. I was like, this is sweet. And then obviously all of our big leaguers were there too. So, you know, I, Fado, Billy Hamilton was still on the team at that point. Yeah. Barnhart, all those guys, you know. You're all, you're in the dugout with them, in the bullpen with them. Um, they're all super nice guys. Um, but yeah, it was it was really fun. That's awesome. Uh, um, so just kind of going off that a little bit, you, you kind of touched on it. You realize you know pretty quick you weren't any worse off. But kind of diving in more to that transition from D three to the pros. Um, a couple weeks ago, we actually had another pitcher, uh, Danny Cody, shout out. Um, so. You know, one of the things he brought up was in the pros, you know, one through nine, anybody could probably take you 450 dead center uh, while uh, at the D3 level. And, uh, you know, you might have the one through four guys that are pretty good. And this is a direct quote from Danny. Uh, the five through nine are next year accountants. So yeah. <laughs> guys out in the workforce next, next year out. Um, so just going off that, you know, you did say you, you found out pretty quickly, but what's been, you know, your personal experience making the transition and, and has there been anything in particular that's helped you cope with a higher level of competition? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like that other guy was saying, one through nine are good hitters. You know, they're there for a reason. And, and yeah, I mean, D3, you got like one guy in a lineup. You maybe got to be careful too, uh-huh. but you got to have seven, eight, sometimes even nine guys in a pro lineup that if you make a mistake, you know, it's at least a double, probably a home run. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, you, you can't take any batters off. The other biggest thing is just everybody can hit a fastball. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how hard you're throwing. If you're painting 100, they'll adjust and they'll be on time. So, you know, the off-speed pitches and mixing up, uh, you know, the, the arsenal was, is definitely the biggest thing and the, like, the hardest learning curve for me. Because, you know, I've always been, like, throwing relatively hard. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to say, like, so you, you even mentioned it uh well, I can't remember specifically, but when you just said you were going to go out there and just throw as hard as you possibly could, you know, just to get that notice of your velo. But so what's like your what's your go to off speed now is going to be my question. Like what what have you been able to develop where you're like, I got this trick in the bag? Um, so for a while, it was my curveball. Um, oh, yeah. I, had a, I had a pretty big, slow curveball. So, you know, I'd throw 96, 97 mm-hmm. and I'd throw like 77 right after that. Yeah. Yeah. It would mess with their timing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I worked off of for my first couple years uh, in pro ball, was just showing that enough. It was never like a great pitch. It wasn't like a strikeout breaking ball. Yeah. Uh, but it was good enough where if I showed it consistently, it kept them off the fastball enough for me to get outs. Um, and then this past year, um, I just kind of lost it. Um, you call it the yips, call it whatever you want, but I just mm-hmm. didn't throw that curveball at all. Mm, sure. uh, so I was throwing like 90% fastballs maybe even higher on especially wow. on the days where I really didn't have it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I got myself into a lot of trouble uh, doing that. Um, and so I started working on changeup, which I've always had but never thrown, mm-hmm. just because it was never great. You threw 95 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but now I didn't have an off-speed pitch. And I started working on my changeup, and that came along, and that saved me a bunch uh, mm-hmm. this season. So that, that was kind of what I lived off of for the second part of this season. And then now, with this off-season and now this extended quarantine, it's given me plenty of time to uh, go back to the breaking ball and right. you know make sure I've got that one down. Um, it's turned into more of like a hard slurvy pitch, um, mm-hmm. sort of that big uh, curveball. Yeah. But, you know, the shorter, smaller, harder breaking balls are much easier to control. Yeah, um, sure. The big loopy ones are good, but they're harder to control because the movement's so big. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Moving to a smaller, sharper breaking ball is giving me a little more command, a little more control of it. But yeah, I mean, the big, the biggest difference is you can't live off your fastball because everyone can hit a fastball. Right. Sure. And last question we have before we get into the fancy draft, um, but it looks like you're making some strides in the right direction, or it looks like baseball is making some strides in the right direction. Um, you know, we're still without uh, the game for the time being. But personally, for you, how are you kind of dealing with the waiting game, and what's your daily routine been? Le- looking like like is it more about staying in shape are you throwing every day still and what are some of your thoughts on some of these proposals being thrown out there like robot umpires and players socially distancing themselves in the stands so i mean there's been a ton of different stuff thrown out with quarantine it feels like every new day there's a new rumor about what's going to happen no bad ideas (laughs) exactly you know i understand the concern you know you don't want to jeopardize you know bringing this pandemic back to like the levels it was at a month ago. You want to keep it on the down slopes. You got to be careful. Um, but at the same time, I think that at least by the end of the summer and probably sooner, we'd be back to a point where we could play as far as like the, the proposals go. Um, the latest one I've heard was that the MLB is going to play with no fans in the stands and the minor league season might get canceled altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to keep, you know, a crop of like 15 to 20 minor leaguers at the spring training facilities to work out and do stuff in case they need to go up to the big leagues. But other than that, minor leaguers might be uh, might be out of work for the summer. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully it doesn't come to that. That's not yeah, the case. Um, that that's what I've heard so far. We'll see how it goes. Uh, robot umpires, interesting that you bring that up. I'm a huge fan of the idea. Okay. I know uh, that's a pretty unpopular opinion. Yeah, uh, definitely. Of, we haven't like, heard the, that. The yet. Old school have the umpire part of the game, but in my mind. It's either a strike or it's not. And mm-hmm. I'd rather be correct than leave it up to someone's judgment. Yeah. If I throw a ball an inch off the corner, maybe an umpire would give that to me, but technically it's a ball. Yeah. And if it's a ball, it's a ball. But at the same time, I want all the strikes. I don't want to get you know squeezed here and there. Right. Mm-hmm. So if it's a strike, it's a strike. If it's a ball, it's a ball. And I'd rather it just be correct. Um, and I've heard a lot of hitters talk about it because, you know, they – they feel like they get screwed out of an A-B because of a bad call, whatever. They come back sure. to the dugout and moaning about it. And so they're always like, oh, man, I can't wait for robot umps. I'm never going to strike out again. <laughs> and it's like, like, yeah, that pitch off the plate might be a ball. But now that terrible curveball that I throw that barely crosses at your letters, that like you see it at your eyes, but it touches the top of the zone, you're not going to swing at that. That's a strike. Yeah. yeah. The breaking ball I throw in the dirt that technically crosses at your knees, but then it bounces that you're not going to swing at, that's a strike. So I think... The hitters are going to be helped out in and out, but I think the pitchers are going to be helped out up and down. That's fair. Um, I think it's going to open up a lot more possibilities, especially with breaking balls, going like high in the zone with breaking balls and then going below the zone with breaking balls that are technically crossing at the knees for strikes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. We have we have not heard that opinion on the podcast. No. So. Yeah, well, and I normally follow up the question with, would you? I don't even really want to ask you now, but I feel like I have to. Do you ever see yourself in a scenario – all right, so you, like you said, you get that it's an inch off the plate. They call it a ball, but maybe you feel like you got squeezed. Do you ever argue with the like? Do you see a scenario where you argue back at somebody? You just yell at that robot umpire. <laughs> Yelling at a robot seems kind of counterproductive. So <laughs> um, I said, I almost didn't want to ask. I, I've I've given some lip to some umpires. Um, generally, I only do that when I know it's my last inning mm-hmm. because I don't want to get tossed and missed out on pitching. You know, yeah. I want to be in the game for as long as I can. I got gotcha. you. Uh, but if I know it's my last inning and I feel like they've been bad, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll say something because if I get tossed, it's not a big deal anyway. Yeah, yeah. I was leaving anyway. Yeah, exactly. You're not kicking me out. I'm leaving. <laughs> you can't fire me. Yeah. 
And just going off the news that, you know, the Myers might not be coming back, has that affected your daily routine at all, like your workouts? Or are you kind of just, you know, staying ready if, you know, you do get the call that you guys are going back? Um, so far, it has affected me. I'm operating under the assumption that we're going to be back, so i got to stay ready. Mm-hmm. Um, right. As far as my daily routine goes, you know, I wake up, eat breakfast, do that whole thing, stretch out, go through like a full warm-up. My warm-up probably takes 20, 30 minutes um, just because that's my opportunity to not only, you know, warm up to throw – it's also a great opportunity to work on flexibility and mobility. Um, so that's where I kind of seize that opportunity. Um, and then I throw. And obviously the throwing I do depends on the day. Sometimes I long toss. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I throw off the mound. Sometimes I don't. But, you know, I'll go through my whole throwing thing, do some arm care afterwards, um, you know, bands, shoulder exercises, that kind of stuff. Um, and then I'll go lift. So I'll get my lift in for the day. I'm lifting as if it were the off season. You know, my lifts in season change because I don't want to be sore for pitching. Right. Uh, but in the off season, it doesn't really matter if I'm sore. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sticking with my off season lifts for now. Um, so I'm hitting it pretty hard. I figure if I'm not playing, I might as well be getting stronger. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, once I'm done lifting, that's kind of it for baseball activity for the day. You know, the unfortunate thing about uh, pitching is you only you can only throw so many balls. You know, right. hitters can go hit a thousand swings a day and be fine, but if you did that pitching wise, you blow your arm out in a month. Yeah. A month. Um, so you can't really overdo it. You got to take advantage of like the few reps you have. So yeah, throwing, throwing and lifting. Once I'm done with that, um, the baseball activity is kind of over. Um, sometimes I'll do some like visualization or like some like breathing mm-hmm. work. Nice. Um, there's a few like guided meditations that I have where you'll go through and like, you know, visualize being on the mound, visualize, you know, executing pitches. Um, so there's been some studies that show that, um, you know, visual reps, like mental reps are, almost as effective as uh, physical reps in terms of like training muscle memory and like neural networks and stuff like that. Yeah, um, for sure. So that's, that's a great way to get extra reps in, even though I can't throw as many as I would like to. Right. Uh, but yeah, then that's pretty much it for baseball activity. Um, and then depending on the day, you know, go to the pool or hang out. I've been rewatching sure. Game of Thrones, so I've been doing that. Okay. Um, but yeah. I, I actually haven't watched it before, personally. Yeah. So, oh, you uh, never watched it? I haven't, no. Well, then one of my draft picks isn't going to make much sense to you. I, I knew it. I knew it. Um, I, think, I think I still know where you're going with that. but yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm cultured. So, yeah, I guess that's a perfect uh, transition, actually. Thanks. Uh, so I think we're about to actually get into that fantasy BS. Um, so for all the first-time listeners out there, our last segment of the podcast, uh, we like doing a fantasy draft on a random topic uh, with our guest. Uh, today's fantasy BS topic in honor of John Geisel, our guest. We're doing a fantasy draft of the best Johns of all time. Uh, we'll be doing three picks each uh, as our guest. John, you get to go first. I'll be going second, and my friend and co-host Ben Gavlik will go last. Um, it is a snake draft, so he'll have back to back. And uh, you know, when it comes back to you, John, you'll have back to back. So why don't you go ahead and get started? All right, well, number one overall, I kind of gave it away, but I'm going with Jon Snow. Hey, <laughs> got to. <laughs> Honorable dude with some fighting skill. Can't hurt to have that on your team. So. Yeah, with spot, and you know, like you said, that's an honorable guy. That's underrated. Not only great fighter, yeah. great guy. You love but that. You got the physical attributes and the, the you know the character attributes that you want on a team. So absolutely, the intangibles to absolutely. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Around. I got gotcha. you. Um, alrighty, so my first one. I don't know, this is, it might not be, like, the best number one pick, but, you know, for me it is growing up, you know, a little more into the wrestling scene. I got to go John Cena. Wow. That's my guy. A timeless, timeless celebrity. I feel like even people who don't know wrestling may not have ever watched it in their lives, know who John Cena is. Um, so that's got to be my first pick. He's Getting a guy off my board early. Oh, sorry. He's a big movie guy, too. He's in a bunch of them now, so everyone knows who John Cena is. All right, so I got back-to-back picks here. I'm going to go with – first, I'm going to go with JFK, uh, former nice. president. Yeah. Uh, that, yep. I, that's, that's off my board. <laughs> Do I know much about his politics? No, but he was a foreign president, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, my next pick here, uh, this is tough. I think we're losing a little depth. Uh, I do have a bunch of options. I think you know this is a sports podcast, so I guess I'm going to go with John Elway. You know, two Cha. Super Bowls. Dude, great pick. Thank you. Ben, you're killing me, bud. I'm sorry, bud. No, you're not. Um, <laughs> well, sorry, two percent. All right, so yeah, I'm definitely digging into the the old reserves here. Um, I think uh, I'll mix it up a little bit. I'll go into the different worlds. Uh, another, you know, famous name. I feel like a lot of people will know John Lennon. 
Okay, there you go. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. You know, maybe not a huge, uh, huge super fans. What I was trying to say, yeah. uh, myself. But you know, it's a, he's an it's icon, a big name. He's a big John. Is, so I gotta go with that for number two. Yeah. Can't go wrong with the front man of the best band that, that ever was. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Um, for my pick, I'm gonna stick with the music side of things. Uh, one of my favorite artists of all time. I'm gonna go with John Mayer. Ooh. Yep, I had him in my. He's in my reserves as well. Dude, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go digging for something. <laughs> and John, but, you got the, uh, another pick here. Oh, I do. That's right, man. My last pick. I've got a few left on my list. I got to decide who I want to go with. Um, it's tough. All right, just because I'm a huge Office fan, so I'm gonna go with John Krasinski. Yeah. There you go. Uh, he was in my. Uh, I had well. I had three left um, that I was picking between, so you, you kind of helped me out, narrow it down to two. Um, but I'm going to go, I guess, on the vein of television shows, uh, Full House, and we go John Stamos. Ooh, that's Ooh. a great pick. I, I was hoping I could steal him at the, in the third. So. Yeah, I, I hadn't even thought of him. He wasn't even on my list. And, you know, great quote from Step Brothers. Um, I can't remember. God, God, I can't remember when they're both like John Stamos. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought speaking of Step Brothers, I thought you were gonna go with John C. Riley. Uh, he, he's on. He's on there too. Well, yeah. See, my thing is, I don't know if a lot of people. Yeah, maybe that's it's true. just me, but they don't. You hear John Stamos, you know who John Stamos right. is. Right. A, a lot of people will hear John C. Riley and know that that's John C. Riley. Yeah, that's a right. good point. They, they would recognize it, but not necessarily know the name. Mm-hmm. All right, so my last pick here, um, going not so mainstream, I'm going to go with John the Baptist, Baptized Jesus. <laughs> so, I had him on my list as well. Yeah, it's a pretty great John. Not too yeah. many of these Johns baptized Jesus. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All-time accomplishments. Yeah, exactly. Baptized Jesus. You're interacting with Jesus. I'm not sure how much better you can get than that. Yeah. yeah Got him in the I'm third round, too, so I'm happy with that. I even went to Catholic school for like my whole life. I, yeah, I went to Catholic school until high school. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, tough. Good pick. All right. So we can do some honorable mentions if you guys have any others on your list that didn't quite yeah, make so the, the cut. The only ones that you guys didn't take from me were uh, John Wall. Ooh, okay. Ooh, yeah, man. John Bon Jovi. I, I, I did, didn't have yeah, that. Yeah, and John that. Wayne. Ooh, that's a good one, too. Uh, two. Uh, Two that I had that I think are even I think are worth mentioning. I'll say three. Uh, John Travolta. Yep. John Stewart. The Ooh, talk okay. show host. Oh, yeah. Live show host. That's yeah. a good one. Yep. 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 Um, he actually might be retired now. I'm not sure. Um, and then John. Um, hold on. Sings John Legend. Yes, awesome. John Legend. Yeah. That he was on the my fact that I sure. couldn't remember is, that makes me happy that I didn't pick him. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. All right, so I'll I'll name a couple of my honorable mentions. John Daly, a big golf guy. Uh, yeah. Shout out uh, Homer Olson from the program. He's a big golf <laughs> guy as well. Show. Home so, yep, uh, John Daly, uh, Johnny Chase from Entourage, uh, one of my okay. favorite shows, and then uh, John Lee from the program as well. We played with oh, him. Oh, that uh, so the, hell yeah, the goat. The goat. So yeah, that was a tough leave off my list, but yeah, pro- I'm glad I went with John the Baptist over John Lee. That's a good one. Yeah. You say you're a big golf guy. Yeah, I actually work at a PGA Tour. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Friends of the show. Yeah, I played 18 today, actually. Nice. How do you shoot? 79. Oh, wow. That's I, I do not shoot in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, I've tied my all-time best with that one. Hey, there you go. That's a, that's a pretty good day, then. Usually in like the 82, 83 range. Okay. That's not fair. to brag or anything. Yeah. <laughs> no it's a humble deal. brag. Yeah. A little bit. Proud of it. Sure. Get it out there. Yeah, I got to. I, I think the best score I shot ever is 85. Not that the listeners are probably too interested in this conversation. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> all right. So I think that's all we have for Fancy BS, though. Uh, John, last thing before we let you go. Uh, but just to close things out, kind of going with that Division Three's finest theme. But, you know, unfortunately, at the D3 level, things typically don't come as easy. You know, travel's a little tougher. Uniforms usually aren't as nice. No locker room. You name it. Your program probably doesn't have it. So, but personally yeah. for you, when we mentioned best D3 stories, does anything come to mind, you know, specifically anything funny or crazy that happened that you could never imagine happening at the D1 or pro level? Um, yeah, so a couple things come to mind. Um, I'll tell you one thing about minor league baseball, though. Sure. Uh, pretty, much, pretty much anything you can imagine happening has happened. <laughs> um, so there's, there's not too much that has happened at the D3 level that wouldn't also happen in minor league baseball, but there That's are right. a couple things. Uh, the first thing is no showers before a long bus ride home. Ooh. 
because uh, some of the fields we played at just straight up didn't have locker rooms. Uh, in, in the minors? We drive six hours to go play a game. Wow. And then, you know, no showers, everyone's gross. You know, you take your uniform off, but you're still nasty. Yeah. Um, you got to drive six hours back to school with no showers. Bus smells terrible. Yeah, yeah. that's not good. Everyone's wow. in a great mood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially after you just lost. Right. And then the other thing that would only happen at D3 school is getting kicked off your own field by the Frisbee club. <laughs> Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> I can't be true. <laughs> so, <laughs> since, since we're in Rochester, you know, it snows all the time, so we had a turf field. So they would, rent, like, they would rent out time on the turf field, you know, to clubs or other teams or whatever. Sure. Um, so we would show up for practice, and there would be 30 people playing ultimate frisbee in the outfield. And, you know, we're showing up, like, in uniform, like, this is the baseball field, we're the baseball team, like, beat it, nerds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, they just, they would fight us. They'd be like, oh, no, like, we had this time reserve, like, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, we couldn't do anything about it because if yeah. we talk to someone, we would just get, well, you know, they do have the time reserve, so sorry. Yeah. Oh it's like, this is the baseball field. <laughs> yeah, this is the you baseball field. Just start practice. Just start BP. But don't have anybody in the outfield. You're giving them their space. Yeah. We, we did do that one time. Um, and they left pretty quick. They started throwing frizzies back at you guys. Yeah. yeah. No, flying discs. Yeah, they left pretty quick, but we got in a little bit of trouble after that one. You should have big time them. You should have big time them. Like, hey, kids. I did not understand like what kind of skill was in the baseball because we were taking BP and so they like, they all moved like off to the side, like out in foul territory. <laughs> um, but like you could you could hear some of them like talking. I'm like, do you think they're gonna hit us over here? Blah blah blah. blah. And one of them said, like, I don't know, they've been playing baseball their whole lives, so they can probably hit the ball wherever they want. Like, if they wanted to hit me, they could probably hit it right here. Yeah. I'm like, that's not exactly how it works, but if that keeps you smoothing off our field. You let them think that. Yeah, yeah you let, let them think, think that. You should have big-timed them. You're like, hey, kids, I'm, I'm going to get drafted this year. Like, you get off this field. Like, right now. Yeah, yeah, you know who I am. Yeah, exactly. All right, John, well, I think that's all we have for you today. Um, you know, thank you again for coming on the podcast, and hopefully you guys can – get back at it soon and we're wishing you the sure. best of luck going forward with the reds yeah absolutely this was fun uh thanks for having me on you know hopefully there's some baseball for you guys to talk about soon uh, uh yeah but we'll get you back on when it comes back for yeah, sure for sure anytime yeah it's k weezy and we back the rise to the throne and yeah friend franklin's Ben Franklin's. I got so much money, it's like I own a money tree. All these people phonies just wanna be like me. Your baddest girl be all on my D. The stuff you pay for from me, it's free. Because I got Ben Franklin's, I got Ben Franklin's. No need for hatin', I'm not a doctor, I ain't got patience. All I got is papers and a lot of haters. Shout out to my home dog, they all got prayers.